Hello everyone and welcome to the very first Enduro World Series video podcast. Uh, my name is Rick McLaughlin and joining me as ever, I'm actually normally at this point um, in the audio podcast, I rip into you a bit, but <laughs> you have just made me a coffee and it was very nice and actually quite professional. So I'm not going to rip into you too much. It's Rory Cunningham, winner of multiple big bike races in the past and current EWS sports coordinator. And... I mean, you've got the ultimate prize in mountain biking now, which is presenting this podcast with me. Exactly. And I get to look at your beautiful face in person. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm worried that like we've built up a nice little podcast audience on the audio side of things. And now, it's like, do you remember like, whenever you first see what a radio DJ looks like and you just go, no, yeah. like, I'm, I'm not about you're, that. You're afraid it's going to put people off. We're going we're gonna to lose listeners Exactly. Yeah. see what we look like. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are in Ruri, the epicentre off the epicenter for a start we're in Innerleven, um which anybody listening to this uh in faraway shores is pretty much one of the uk hubs of mountain biking and um, certainly scottish mountain biking it's the living breathing heart of it um and we are in number one people's road coffee shop which i mean if you're gonna have any kind of cycling discipline <laughs> yeah yeah the local coffee shop is the place like massive thanks to the guys from number one for letting us record here but um yeah this is it isn't it this is like the center it is i mean like the tweed valley is like you say the place to be in scotland if not the uk and uh you know where better to get caffeinated before uh before your long day of riding than yeah. the number one um yeah big thanks to craig and uh even uh let us loosen his machine, which he was uh, very, let, very brave to do. He let you loose on a coffee machine, which is probably ex- more expensive than most cars I've owned. And you did not disgrace yourself. I was quite impressed. It was. Do you think there's a career there? Maybe if, the, if this podcast really goes as badly as it has a potential <laughs> to. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never know. You, never, uh, you, know. Know, you, you never know. Um, I've had enough practice on my own uh, little setup over the years. But yeah, Craig's is... Uh, for any coffee geeks out there, it's a step up. It's all, you know, automatic tampers and... Oh, it's proper, minions, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If you like your coffee, this is the place to be. Right. This is our 24th podcast, believe it, believe it not. And it's the first video one we're doing. And we're using it to mark the second installment of our Road to the Tweed Valley series, where we're going to dive into a bit more depth on your involvement with the Vittoria EWS E Tweed Valley you're designing the course we'll get to that in a second um there have been some developments on that front haven't there we've had some things move around yeah i mean we're we're we've been putting the final adjustments on uh, the ews course and also the ewse course as well and um yeah just in the last week we've had some uh some changes not so much to the course but to the event hub and the location of the the event so it's all going to be um out in the fields by uh by Traquare house um, which truthfully I think it's really cool. Uh, it means we can have uh, the the final the kind of final stage of the event will finish in the field. We'll have like a you know a big kind of uh, bridge step down into the field. Um, it'll all be visible. It'll be a really good atmosphere. Everything's going to be one place. The stage finish is going to be in the event hub, and uh, yeah, a really good way to conclude not only the event here but the the 2021 series. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, Considering we're away in just over a week to the, the second block of racing in Europe, and yeah. then I'll come back and have a, a limited amount of time to get them ready, there's, I would be lying if I said there's not, not pressure on, on me to, to, to get that. it all yeah, done, we... but it's, uh, no, it's coming together. We've got an amazing um, 
one of your mates in a Subaru outside, if you just oh, heard that, man, heard that, listeners, or saw it out the window. Good man, good man yourself. <laughs> the world is flat, flat but, floor. Um, um, yeah, we've got an amazing, amazing team, and you know a huge amount of you know volunteers now, and you know the trails team that that have been uh, you know looking ahead and prepping the stages have been amazing, and yeah, I've got every faith that when I come back, it's it's going to be ready to go. It'll be, I had it'll this, be good. I had this in my back pocket for about ten months or so, and I sprung it on you the other day. We were in a van together last year, and you said the immortal words that yeah, well, at least the end of the year next year will be really chilled out because of the Tweed Valley race, and you know it's us organising it. Do you still feel that way? I wish I could take that back. But, um, I mean, truthfully, my memory's not great, so I can't. I don't recall seeing. You've rang that. your bell a few I times. I think, yeah, uh, yeah, th- yeah. I think you've, um, I think you've made it up. But I'll convince myself of that. But yeah, I definitely would have said that in, in hindsight. Right, let's definitely have said that. Let's, let's zoom out for a wee second then. Um, so you are, as you say, the the grand fromage when it comes to course design for this couple of races. As a racer. What did you what what did you like in a race course? What did you look for? What was like you know whenever you came down after practice and went yeah that's a slice of me? What did you like? Um, I mean I'd be lying if I said I didn't prefer the kind of steeper, more technical stages. But I think a big part of that was due to the fact that's what I was strong at. Um, but truthfully, as I kind of I mean as I got more used to the discipline and became fitter I, I actually had some of my better stage results on the kind of longer physical ones so um i honestly think that's the kind of the beauty of enduro is the variation mm-hmm. i think it's the ability for every venue is unique and i think the enduro world series and and the organizers and the, the venues we work with do a really good job of not trying to make stages and courses one way they, they're they have this kind of blank canvas to showcase the destination and the venue and what makes people want to go and ride there. And I honestly think like the variation is, is what makes it kind of so unique and enjoyable. I think if you went to all these venues and every stage was the same length, the same gradient, the same yeah. surface, the same design, it would lose a lot of what makes a sport kind of special. And I, I think, yeah, I always, as I kind of, began to get used to that i didn't go to a race and kind of think oh, i hope the stages are like this or i hope yeah. it's going to be like that i'd go there and well, be like you're pinning you your know, you're pinning your hopes on quite you're pinning your hopes on one thing aren't mm. you where in enduro you've got to be good at everything mm. that's what like i used to get confused when you would hear different pro riders from drier parts of the world saying that they hate mud can't ride in mud because you're like well you're gonna have yeah, to like, learn. You're, you're gonna have to, and to win an yeah. Enduro World Series championship, you can't really have any bad days. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Your your bad days, you've got to limit the damage. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the things that interests me as a mere mortal um, amateur mountain biker is whenever I go to somewhere, say like Fassa Bike Park, where we were just for the mm. the Met EWS Val de Fassa Trentino. I love that because those stages remind me of where I ride. It's kind of like, for want of a better expression, my jam, do you know what I mean? It's like, mm. gradient suits me, the dirt suits me. Like, I feel at home because I feel confident there. Mm-hmm. Do pros have the same thing or do you guys like to be challenged? Do you know what I mean? Do you like to feel that 
difficult because I think for example we've got some pro only races next year mm -hmm. which are obviously going to be maybe a step up in terms of technicality yeah but is that what a pro looks for that sort of challenge or do you look for just comfort I don't think there's ever comfort if, you, if you're going to be at the pointy end of racing there's never comfort because if the trail's easy it means that you've got to go that extra bit faster and if the, like I always used to kind of I didn't used to be a fan of easy tracks because it just meant everybody was going to go fast and you had to go almost beyond the limit because there was nothing really holding you back. If the trails are really technical or, or really challenging, it's more difficult to go fast. But So therefore, I feel that the pace is slightly slower because the terrain's almost more challenging than the, the speed. But, you know, it's racing now. If you look at how fast, how close the racing we've had is this year, yeah. Not only in the, you know, not just in the men's field, but the women's field as well. <laughs> There's no comfort in the speed that those those no. races are going. They are, if it's easy, they're going a hundred percent. I always and if it's technical, they're riding at a pace that is yeah. For mere mortals, bewildering. It's, so it's I'd, shifted in Giro, hasn't it? Because it used to be even whenever I first started covering it properly in 2017, there was still a lot of talk about this. You need to be comfortable riding at 80 to 90 percent all mm. the time and that's gone now i mean you look at like richie rude jack moyer mm. under half a second between them over 32 kilometers in five stages it's 100 mm. percent now isn't it there's no like that's gone yeah it, it hasn't i think uh the, like you say the level i think it's just stepped up there's there's more and more riders can go that speed um and the bar has the bar has been raised. There's bikes bikes are a lot better too. Yeah, bikes, the bikes have grown, are bikes grown are with better. the sport. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think we're we're seeing that we're seeing the the depth of talent um, increase. Um, and I think, truthfully as well, I think we're beginning to see racers actually kind of ride. I think enduro as a as a style and a kind of technique is beginning to kind of forge its own way. I think before it was like you had riders who were physical um, and you had riders who were very technically gifted, mm -hmm. maybe coming from downhill. Two camps. And I feel now it's like you have this, this rider who can, can race things, you know, after one run and effectively, <laughs> you know what I mean? Go a hundred percent, but you can't, it, it's not riding on memory it's like it's it's there's an ability of riding on instinct and, and reading the trail as you ride it which you don't really have in any other discipline and i think you begin to see that if you look at the way jack and richie ride specifically they're very different styles but like the way they kind of like pace the trail is is quite similar it's interesting i know i think we've mentioned it on a previous episode of the podcast like it's something that nigel page said to me once in an interview that one of sam hill's possibly his biggest strength that often people don't really give him the credit for is his ability to walk down a stage and then be able to just commit to 100 percent everywhere do you mm. know what i mean he that's like a very specific skill set mm. and i know certainly whenever he raced world cup downhill is his practice like he didn't like yeah. everyone used to talk about like you know sam hasn't practiced much and stuff but that was it because he could ride at once yeah. And then he could see where yeah, the yeah. time was and where he needed to be. Yeah. But e-bikes then, we're talking about, of course, the, the EWS e-race. Um, we need to get geared up 
for this. The season, EWC season starts in Cran, Montana, new venue in Switzerland, mm. a few weeks' time. Uh, for anyone who missed, there's a guy about to try and come in the coffee shop. This is a, this is a new thing. Has that ever happened before? We had a podcast interrupted by somebody trying to buy coffee. I feel bad now. I do just want a coffee. Um, yep. So Cran Montana, a few weeks time for anyone who missed the first ever season of EWSE racing, which was last year. Uh, head over to EMBN now. All the highlights are available on there, as, load of, as well as a load of tech and a load of sort of insights. Steve Jones and the guys did a great job on that. Mm. Um, Rory, give us a rundown quickly of the format for EWSE. What does it involve? So the EWSE racing it consists of three loops. Um, one loop for, for in the pro race, one loop for each battery. Uh, loops are anywhere between three and five stages. Uh, and meter, uh, I'd say meterage ascending probably 800 meters to 1200 meters. Um, your mate in the Subaru's made me lose my train of thought. Um, yeah, riders will complete the loops, uh, change a battery after each loop, they'll have half an hour in the pits to, to refuel, and then they're back out on it. Uh, liaisons are tight, so we're, we're really kind of pushing the, the uphill sections to make sure that riders aren't just able to cruise up with the motor um, it's, it's one of the things that like <laughs> is absolutely staggering in that like i the first race we had was in zermatt for ewse stage one finished and i'm obviously at the, the bottom of stages doing interviews mm. um during the racing and i'll admit to this on here for the first time that i got completely lost on my way to the bottom of stage one pelting about on my e-bike on like those big Swiss access roads doing 30, 40 mile an hour, trying desperately trying to work out where the race was and spied one down below me, off piece of it down. Saw where the stage finished and then the access road liaison climbed up a bit and I thought, what I'll do is, and I've done this before, is I'll stop at the top of this little climb and grab people as they go past me. The first people went past me at like 26 kilometers an hour, like full chat because <laughs> the liaisons were so tight to get to the start yeah. of the next stage. And you were mm. just like, oh, this is a different thing. They've mm. just done quite a long stage, quite a physical stage. Mm. And now they're back on the pedals to get back to the next one. It's full chat, isn't it? Yeah. And there's, there's an emphasis to make the liaisons as kind of technical and as challenging as possible. Like we, we aim for um, where possible all single track. Um, technical liaisons. Um, anyway, that's really about we've spoken on on the podcast multiple times about there are almost as much fun on the way up as there are on the way down. And um, yeah, I think that was one of our big kind of um, big pushes with the about racing is and not just route them up fire roads at twenty five kilometers an hour, but actually make the uphills like a challenge in single track and and we've, make these these loops that you know take anywhere between an hour and a half to two hours challenging for the duration not just the stages well we found that out in Pietro Ligari when we went there last year yeah. didn't we like like it was the opposite in that if Zermatt was like I know I'm in the wrong country here but Autobahn like flat out mm. liaisons Pietro was like you finished the stage and then you basically rode up another stage to get yeah, to the yeah, top of the yeah. next stage it was incredibly difficult and you came back like we would go for evening rides and try and do a couple of trails and use the liaisons and you came back absolutely rinsed. 
Yeah, pretty much as soon as you start pointing uphill, you were at threshold, weren't you? Yeah. Big, big Jim, uh, big Jim's <laughs> handiwork and Pietra making some uh, some very steep, very technical liaisons. And uh, I've heard uh, I've heard some rumours we might be using them again for oh, some of the uh, for the finale WSE. There might be a might be a, a fairly sizable adventure the e-bike race. So watch this space. Oh, fantastic! Um, yeah, it's just. If anywhere, unsurprisingly, if anywhere on earth gets e-bikes, it is the finale outdoor region. Those guys are just killing it with what they're building. Um, little e-bike anecdote for you was out for a family bike ride on Sunday. Now that my five-year-old has gears, I'm not even the quickest on that ride anymore. Um, <laughs> and the first 12 bikes I saw were e-bikes. Bit of, yeah, not they're out there, aren't they? Yeah. Um, we have, of course, EWSE power stages too. Um, talk us through those. So the power stages is a short uphill stage um, with a real emphasis on um, technicality and, and making it a real challenge. Um, the, ra- the stages are short just so the race doesn't blow apart and it doesn't begin to really factor into power to weight and who's got the most powerful motor. Um, the emphasis is really on making it technical um awkward kind of steep uphill stage that really you know celebrates a rider's technical climbing ability because this is the thing isn't it if you stall if you haven't ridden an e-bike before Mm. if you stall out on one of these technical climbs it's so difficult to get going Mm. again and i think it's definitely the power stage from what we've learned so far is that yes you could make time on it but you can also lose Mm. like we we sort of calculated that if you get off the bike you're talking about 30 seconds aren't you which which could be yeah pivotal yeah i mean the the distance or the duration for them is usually under two minutes so two minutes would be considered quite a long one but even at that we saw you know last year some of the biggest time gaps come on the power stage mm-hmm. just with you know some the ability of, of some of the racers um but yeah it's it's a it's a funny one because i think there'll be a lot of riders out there who've ridden an e-bike who will think i'm very very confident at climbing technical terrain and i'm sure they are Try and do it as fast as you can, and it's completely different. It's a different thing, it is isn't it? It's completely different. It's you, you know, it's not about just working your way up. You've got to think about gears. You've got to think about, you know, kind of. You can't really set up into things. It's like you You've, have to. You have to set up at speed, and you don't have the time to pause and. You have to read so yourself. far ahead as well. Like you've got to read your like like a downhill run. You've got to read so far ahead of where you want to go. He's in here. We got him. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the things I want to talk to you about. As I mentioned, uh, where I live, about an hour and a half north of here, e-bikes, they seem to be everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Tweed Valley, with the style of riding around here, is this somewhere that really suits the sort of possibilities that they open up? Definitely. I don't think there's... If you've got a, if you've got a venue with hills, I think they can suit e-bikes. I think people maybe aren't using them to their full potential like i'd certainly if i was going out my e-bike wouldn't ride up a fire road to ride down a trail as in i would look at a steep hill or a steep path or you've or even even an old track that's never ridden in reverse and go can i get up it's that? an interesting point and isn't it because you've only ever really thought about 50 percent of a ride mm. previously you only thought about what yeah. trails you're going to ride down not up yeah yeah it kind of blurs that it blurs that line between say like a trials bike or a, a motorized kind of enduro bike and a mountain bike yeah you know and i think if you look at the amount of riders and racers 
from the motorized disciplines. I mean, like you know, Markham, Markham Landry, our mate, your mate, Levi um, Batista, Levi Batista, yeah. and then if you look at like the hard enduro racers, like you know Billy Bolt, you know yeah. he's one of the best you know enduro, hard enduro riders in in the world at the moment, and he's always charging about on a, on a Santa Cruz e bike and you know you're doing some pretty amazing things on it. And you're seeing uh, those brands come in as well, mm. Gas Gas, Husqvarna, all yeah. dipping their toe in Levi bike water and trying to work yeah. out is this a market that we need to be involved yeah. in. Um, it's an exciting time though. I mean, on a personal slash professional level, I find it exciting because we're right at the start of this sport working out what it's going to be. And we're hopefully mm-hmm. trying to guide that conversation a bit and work with the riders and teams and organizers to find out how it's going to work in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just exciting, isn't it? It is. I think the technology is evolving at a rate that is going to allow the sport to change, develop, progress relatively quickly, like we've seen in enduro in the last kind of eight years. Um, I think as motors become more capable, as batteries become more durable, as, as bikes become lighter, you're going to see this new sport evolving. Um, you know, the direction it's going and, and what people are now doing on e-bikes and, and the, not only that, but like the riders that are kind of championing them, mm. championing them. You know, I just saw a video the other day with, you know, Danny McCaskill arguably one of if not the most famous mountain biker in the world and pretty much all he does is ride an e-bike certainly scotland, just, scotland's second yeah. most famous mountain biker after yourself yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah let's talk about those riders for a start i mean the french utterly dominating the first ews e season yeah. last year wins for melanie pujan nico vulio yannick pontal tracy mosey actually the only non-french rider to take a win on an e-bike mm-hmm. uh, last season do you think that once we get to the Tweed Valley race that we're going to see someone more accustomed to this quite specific set of conditions do well at that race? Or do you think we're still going to be talking about those big sort of names? Because Nico's even, he's training. Mm. He's actually working out his body weight versus like the output of that power unit and stuff, isn't he? Like, he, yeah. I mean, Are we going to see someone from around here tackle the likes of him? Watch this space. There might be... Uh... Depending on um, who enters, there might be there might be a, a fairly high-profile local rider in the e-bike race. You're gonna hand then. in your notice on Monday, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Get back no, down he's, the gym. He's, he's more he's more big time than me just now, but it'll be interesting. Obviously, this year we've made a conscious effort to have the the e-bike courses and the EWS courses separate. So I know there was talk at the beginning of the year about um, riders from from different teams. Um, wanting to race both we're hopefully going to see Josh Carlson this year it'll be his for offer. Kind of his main venture into the EWS e, uh, format um, I know Specialised you know Charlie Murray's been um, our mate of the podcast Podi- good, friend po- of, good friend of the podcast yeah. Charlie Murray podium guy you're welcome Charlie um, one of our podium inductees anytime <laughs> yeah. someone comes on the podcast yeah. off they go so we've seen um, you know we've seen him do quite a lot of the, the e-bike racing kind of out with the EWS season, so it'll be interesting to see if he jumps on an e-bike and has a crack. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, you know Nico and Yannick Pontal and you know those guys are going to be right up there again, aren't they? It's it'll be interesting to see who decides to to like who decides to throw a leg over an e-bike. And yeah, uh, I think we could well see a few names um, out there because as well towards the end of the year, why not? Exactly. Uh, why exactly. not quite an e-bike for? And there's also there's one there's one slightly 
more senior name that I know of who's going to be here. That'll be exciting as well, but we'll reveal that as and when we can. So, yeah, yeah I was doing um, a bit of video stuff last week with our EWS uh, Tweed Valley Ambassadors, Victoria EWS Tweed Valley Ambassadors, and this is sort of a new scheme that we're sort of piloting for that race where we get five or six local riders of different age groups um, to sort of help us promote the event locally and sort of, you know, be a bit of a face for it. Um, and one of the things during the interviews, all five or six of those interviews that they all came back with was that they were actually hoping for a wet race because <laughs> the mud around here, it's quite a, like maybe a bit of a dour Scottish like outlook on it, but yeah. the mud here is a very specific kind of mud, isn't it? If that doesn't sound too crazy. Yeah, I think it's a strange one. If it's, unless it's biblical rain or dry, it's uh, it can be pretty slick, but um, yeah, we're not open for mud, are we? I mean, we, no. don't, we don't want to be traipsing around and no. um, I don't know what they're talking about. It's going to be dry. <laughs> it's going to be dry, definitely. Be dry. Well, it couldn't be drier. Um, Heat wave in October. Are you, you heard getting it here any? Are you getting any badgering about uh, what the course is going to be? Are you opening your door in the morning to like briefcases of used five pound notes or anything, or any new follows on Strava that you weren't aware of? Or? Yeah, it's kind of like that scene in the life of Brian when he opens a window. <laughs> 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 no. Um, I mean, it's it's quite funny. There was there was rumours of what the course was going to be before it actually submitted it to forestry, and um, yeah, I think it's there's always going to be rumours. There's always going to be people saying, "Oh, that you know that trail's had a bit of work. It's going to be that. It's going to be this." But I mean, the good thing is we've also got two completely different courses for EWS and EWSE, which if anything then speaks to the a, volume of trails you've got around here, it's yeah. two completely set, different set of courses. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah we're really we're really lucky with that, and we've got the you know the capacity and the space and the the venue to do that but that keeps things quite i guess that you know even if rumors do get out and people do chat to chat but um you know that keeps things a little bit more unpredictable because you don't know which is going to be in what race but um yeah i think for me personally i think it was about showcasing the best riding in the valley not trying to do things differently okay i think, I think we see um quite a lot of venues try and do something new and, and maybe lose the the kind of the real reason people go there to ride which is to have fun so um certainly haven't got massively kind of creative with it but you know we'll, we'll see some new stages that haven't been raced before and um obviously with the, the new event hub and the finish in the field that's going to be pretty cool um but yeah obviously the e-bike's the the big one that's the the new one but um yeah you're not letting anything out of the bag. I, uh, I'm excited about yeah, it. Yeah, well, you'll find out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure once we once we come back from Italy and you've been used to riding in the dust for a month, and we'll do a course preview the week before you'll. Uh, I like the mud. Right, I like the mud. Yeah, I welcome it, man. <laughs> it's I welcome it. It's going to be dry though. It's going to be dry, but yeah. um, let's take then a bit of a broader look at what else is going to be going on at the Victoria EWSE and EWS Tweed Valley races because it's set to be pretty busy. We've gone all out with this. Um, We've got, of course, two top-flight international bike races to enjoy um, between the two rounds. Uh, both season finales, wouldn't it be fantastic to have championships decided here as well? That's from a from yeah. a from a, what I do if, point of view. That's always a dream, isn't yeah, it? To have I a mean, championship think, on the line at I the last round. If things continue to be as close as they are, it'll be well, probably ten points going into the yeah. You can see <laughs> it into the race. You so. can see it. Yeah, you totally can. Away from the racing, then um, the racing component, of course, gets like 
bike geeks like me and you sweaty is uh, there's lots happening too we've got a festival village with the die brew airbag with matt jones um he's gonna be around for signing photos showcasing some skills and some maneuvers uh is he bringing his lambo into the field i don't know if he's bringing his lambo i've not heard i mean that's a long way to go in a lamborghini it's quite a fuel bill but um <laughs> i actually say um Matt Jones was at, I covered Red Bull Hardline a couple of years ago and Matt Jones turned up with his wee dirt jump hardtail thing and like one of the most impressive bits of mountain biking I've ever seen was him uh, flipping that big renegade yeah. and it was on the way into it the bike was just tomahawking away underneath him and you're just like oh this could be dangerous but always good to see Matt and he's always like a good draw isn't he um, mm. there's going to be a pump track including hot laps challenge one for you Rory pitch yourself into that on the e-bike um there's gonna be loads and loads of trade stands loads of top brands are going to be here showcasing their latest machinery there's going to be actually tons of local live music i've got a list of this but i don't think everything's 100 percent confirmed so we maybe go back to that on a later podcast uh there's gonna be lots of different like local sort of food vendors and stuff like that and of course tempest beer tent uh race paddock if anyone finds me in that tent, um, could you just return me to the production office? That would be great. And mm. Unless I'm crying. Leave me alone yeah, if yeah. I'm crying. I was out with the Trails team a few nights ago. Got to sample uh, what may be the... Is there going to be an EWS, official beer? Uh, well, there might be. Oofed. But um, it, was Oofed. Pretty, it was pretty good. That could be career pinnacle right there. We've yeah. got an official beer. Um, yeah, Race Paddock, all the top international teams. Really, you know as well as I do that one of the best things about international level mountain bike racing is just the the access you get as a fan you can wander around the pits see all the big names see all the mechanics get like up close and personal with mm. the latest bikes and the latest tech so just loads and loads of stuff going on we've got the ews kids race as well loads of ways for kids to get involved and sample racing maybe for the first time or just mm. experience what that's going to involve there's a lot of fringe events, including live racing, doing ride outs. We've got an MTB film night. There's yoga, sports massage, product launches, the Santa Cruz bar at the Traquair Arms just across the road from us here. I'm sure that will be a quiet night down the library for those guys. Um, <laughs> so if that sounds like a slice of you, then head over to tweedvalley.enduroworldseries.com for more for all the event uh, schedules and what's going on where also worth doing if you fancy that uh plus the chance to get closer to all the riders and teams than anyone else and the two of us are included in that is and sorry and you also get a chance to get a big bag of ews swag and your expenses covered is to volunteer at that race um head over to that same site as i say tweedvalley.enduroworldseries.com for how you can get involved get like face to face with the pros and get probably the best seat mm. uh best seat in the cinema for the racing isn't it really uh let's move to the next race then the michelin ews ludenville the last of the year's double headers so two rounds back to back in the same week and after the opening four rounds we have the makings of what looks like some supremely interesting battles don't we let's start with the pro women's melly pujan versus hattie harnden versus isbo Carderier. morgan shar is not far off that battle either i mean Melanie Pujan's been a sledgehammer throughout the start of this season, hasn't she? But it weirdly feels like the impetus is with Hattie Harnden after that debut win in La Tuile. Yeah, I think the the win going into the break for Hattie would have been huge. Um, you know, that momentum and that confidence. 
uh, carrying that into the break, you'll be. I imagine she'll be more motivated than ever to. Not that she needs to train anymore with how <laughs> how fit she seems to be, but she'll be more more motivated than ever. Um, kind of coming into the coming into the second half of the season, and um, also seen a lot of uh, a lot of kind of um, social media posts from Isabel on on Instagram talking about she's been putting the work in and she's feeling yeah. feeling like she's getting back to where she needs to be. So I'm sure she's going to come out swinging, and and this is the you know. Got to remember, this is the home race for the French riders this year, and nothing bigger than a bike they, race in France, uh, is exactly. there? Exactly, and and they're going to want to they're going to want to win on home turf. So, Isabel, um, it kind of feels like she's doing what Sam Hill did in 2019, in that she's just keeping herself in that conversation. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like you know, there's the two out in front of her in the title race at the minute, but a lot of racing left to do yet this year, and she's right there, um, yeah. should either of them slip up, and indeed she can beat either of them on their day as well, so mm. really interesting. Uh, pro men's, I think, like personally speaking, I'm fascinated to see battle rejoined between Jack Moyer and Richie Rood again. Um, it's still going to be t- between those two right at the sharp end, isn't there? Isn't it? Yeah, you feel those two, right, those two guys have been so dominant in the first half of the season that it's going to take something, either it's going to take big mistakes from both of them or something special from somebody else to kind of reel them back in. They, they kind of distance themselves on, on that third place. Of, I think it's Jesse Melman. Jesse's in third. third. Um, and yeah, you can imagine they've, they've both gone away and, and been pretty motivated to try and come back and actually get more than a second ahead of the other guys. So yeah, um, yeah fascinating to see how that pans out. And uh, yeah, who's your money on come the end of the year? Come the end of the year, yeah. I'm not Mystic Meg, like I haven't got a crystal ball, but I don't know. I think I just get a gut feeling, and you can come back to this and remind me how wrong I was. But I think it's going to go to that last round because yeah. I don't see, hopefully, no injuries. Hopefully, everyone gets mm-hmm. a clear run at it. I don't see any of those top three or four in the pro men or the pro women's actually really making any big mistakes do you know what I mean it's like if they're all on the podium if they're all in top five mm. I think this could well go down to the wire which is all I'm going to say for now yeah. the round before it the penultimate round I'll make a prediction but you're not going to get one out of me that easily because you, no, only, I, you only get you only stand to be proven wrong don't you exactly exactly I think um, yeah I, I can see the men's race coming down to the final stage here which yeah. I think would be incredible that's a dream isn't and it? Uh, you know I think if you look at the women's title I think you've got potential for that to be between more than two riders. I think the men's yeah. race will be, be between the two of them, um, between Jack and Richie, and I think the women's race could come down to three or four riders at the final round. But um, yeah, a lot of racing to do before then. Yeah, uh, you know we're we're gearing up to go away next week, and um, yeah, I've seen I've seen the courses for Ludenville um, from Ludwig. Going to be a big week. Um, going to be you know 3,000 plus meters to send in both races um, in the space of what four or five days so uh, hope the riders have been putting the putting the hours in on, in the chairlift over the summer yeah. and getting those hands used to the the long rough trails but um looks like a stunning location I've never been made of I looking forward to it the Pyrenees uh, should be beautiful um just a couple of bits of news before we wrap up then both Eddie and Windmasters out um with hand and wrist injuries after the recent Maribor World Cup disappointing not to see those two uh, but I'm, I've, they will obviously be at the races and Ed, mm. Ed Bull Media House will be fired fired off and Eddie will be trackside mm. I'm sure with the pivot guys but uh, disappointing nonetheless 
Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, pretty crazy that both of them, both of them crashed. <laughs> Brother is crashing at the same time. I was going to say their poor mother, but I was going to say their poor mother, but I think she's probably been through the ringer with Empire <laughs> anyway already. Yeah, no, really unfortunate. I mean, you know, we we can't obviously at the same time get away that from the fact that you know mountain biking does have that risk, and you know we quite often see injuries throughout the season. But uh, and yeah, I, I guess Eddie and uh, Win both kind of straddling two disciplines you know like racing UBS and they racing the world cup and i guess that kind of doubles your chance of it does doesn't having it? a crash we, and, we and, talked before about jack moyer opting to sit those world yeah. cups out to focus on the championship and although racing world cups in between rounds historically has been great for bike speed and you know just great to keep you in that racing mindset as you say it double the amount of races doubles your chances of getting injured at a bike race doesn't it sadly no, it does and I, you know i think you look at jack he's he's made quite a quite a mature decision i'm sure influenced by your mate fab i done um, with him once yeah um i've heard <laughs> uh i'm sure he's you know he's made a decision based on giving himself the best opportunity to be there at the end of the year and uh yeah i think um yeah if you're in the title fight you're you're not gonna risk it for kind of one result but um yeah it's uh unfortunate for eddie and win but um you look they're both uh their presence at the races is kind of sometimes bigger than what it is on the track if you know what i mean yeah they're, they're big personalities aren't they and, uh, you know if eddie's out in uh, in Loonville, maybe we can get him involved in, in let's some let's get him on the podcast let's get let's way, get eddie yeah. let's get eddie signed up as a member of the good friend of the podcast club mm-hmm. um should point out as well, Michelin, EWS, Ludenville, we've still got limited spaces available in that race in EWS 100s, EWS AE, and there are still some EWS e-spots available throughout the year as well. If you fancy packing the bike in the van, pack your friends, pack some food, and uh, have a go yourself on the same stage as Race by the Pros. Rory, how would you uh, how would you sum up then our first foray into the video podcast? Are you happy with how this has gone? Uh, I mean... I've I've managed to look at my laptop most of the time rather than you. But, uh, <laughs> Your eyes can only withstand so um, much, can't they? I know it's been good. We've been given free reign of the number one coffee bar, which is which has been incredible. Thanks again, Craig. I'm sh- hopefully I've not um, changed the settings on your machine. It's uh, it's nice to chat in person, truthfully. It is, and, isn't it? Uh, and yeah, big thanks to number one. As I say, the epicenter of the epicenter of mountain biking in Scotland, if not the UK, is this cafe, and I think. Mm. Everyone, when you do come to the Victoria EWS Tweed Valley, this is the spot that you will automatically gravitate towards yourself. Like, <laughs> honestly, I take the handbrake off my car at Rules to this cafe. So, everyone, thanks very much for watching. And any audio subscribers, we will clip the audio from this and get it in your usual outlets as well. If you, for some reason, don't enjoy looking at Rory and I's faces, which, let's face it, understandable, 50%. Oh, massively understandable, yeah. Rory, thanks for your time. Cheers, Rick.